Welcome everyone to POV Crypto, the only podcast that both Bitcoiners and Ethereans listen to. I'm David Hoffman, here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Dude, I'm feeling good. This was a fantastic episode. Unfortunately, in some really sad times for um, the people of Argentina, especially people invested in the Argentinian stock market and unfortunate enough to you know be forced to hold their value in Argentinian pesos. Um, we put on uh, a quick emergency show and brought on the fantastic Mariana Conte uh, to give us the update. And you know, we this guy is deep in the crypto space, obviously living in Argentina. Um, you know, no better person to kind of break down the situation than Mariano. So really happy he could come on. Uh, David, we want to break this one down. Yeah, absolutely. So what happened was that uh, election, it was election season, and uh, the Argentines decided to bring in a populist government, uh, and the market didn't like that. Uh, and so instantly the Argentine peso fell by a little bit over 15%, according to this article that I'm looking at. And then uh, similarly, the Argentine stock market fell by over 20%, um, which just has huge second, third, fourth order consequences for the, the local economy. Uh, so uh, Mariano as a- I think it capped off at 48. 48%, Jesus. Um, so we we are do did this emergency POV crypto episode. We get Mariano Conti, who is a previous guest, uh, back onto the podcast to kind of talk about what's going on, the implications, why, etc. Um, so this is a pretty uh, important perspective to get, regardless of your Bitcoiner or Ethereum status. It's relevant to all of us. It's a very sobering reminder as to what we're all doing here in the magical world of crypto, uh, and you know it, it should make us all. Uh, pause and stop thinking about prices and, and start thinking about uh, the way that crypto can can benefit the global macroeconomic situation um, for the better. So Christian, what else did you like about this episode? Yeah, you know, it really confirms to me uh, why we're doing this. And I, I think that just building this technology and making it available um, for the next crisis or when that crisis happens for different people in different parts of the world um, that's why we're here. Um, so obviously orange coin, good price go up, but at the same time, you know, why is the price going up? Why are, why is there so much value and attention on this space in general is because it's helping people and it can help people. And it's a better way to, um, organize people globally and, and hold value. So, uh, you know, it really, this confirms, you know, why we're here and why I'm here. Absolutely. And I couldn't help to think that, uh, you know, this is a pretty bad scenario for Argentina, at least for a one day event. Um, and this has happened in the past. This isn't the, you know, the, uh, out of the blue, totally random event for Argentina, but, um, it does seem like a possible microcosm or, you know, uh, tremor of a bigger issue to come. Like this is exactly what a lot of Bitcoiners fear is going to happen to the U S dollar and why a lot of people invest in Bitcoin. Um, and so I can't, I couldn't help to think like maybe this is just uh, a taste of a larger global macroeconomic situation at large. Um, maybe that's just fear mongering, but that is the thesis of fiat currency. Uh, the idea is that fiat currencies have an expiration date on them, and uh, this might be an indicator for 
the Argentine pesos coming to an end of, of its lifetime. Um, and that could be also true of the U.S. dollar. Yeah, well, all you can do is hope and uh, stack them sats. But without further ado, Mariano Conti. Mariano Conti, welcome back to POV Crypto. Thank you for this emergency episode of POV. Welcome back. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. So, Mariano, something crazy just happened in Argentina. Will you walk us through what's going on down there? Um, yeah, of course. So, we had um, elections yesterday. Today's uh, Monday. We had elections on Sunday. Um, it wasn't even uh, like the, the full presidential election. It was just the primaries. But the results were enough to drive the markets crazy. Um, the current government, the ones that have been ruling for almost four years, um, they're 99% sure they're going to lose. And the previous government, um, the ones that uh, don't believe too much in like uh, open markets or free trade agreements, they're going to come back and they're going to rule. So that uh, created a spiral that, uh, I mean, there was the possibility that they were coming back, but just like the numbers they got uh, were insanely high. Nobody expected this, uh, not even them. Um, and we saw, for example, the peso go from around 46 pesos per dollar on Friday to, uh, I woke up this morning to 60 pesos per dollar. So it was like a 30% devaluation. How, it, how shocking is that? How crazy is that for, I know Argentina has experienced inflation in the past, but like what, can you kind of put this into a frame of reference for people that don't ever have that happen to them? So it is, it is a lot. Uh, it is a lot, but we see this every five to 10 years. So the next couple of months are going to be very tough, but it's something that, that people have sadly seen before. I was looking at uh, Bloomberg today, and they say that the stock market uh, crashed like 48% in dollar terms, second biggest one-day drop in 70 years that they've been tracking exchanges. Uh, the other one was Sri Lanka in 89, and that was because of civil war. So uh, you, you can imagine it is, it is pretty crazy. And, and there's some things that I would say I'm getting used to now. For example, today you couldn't buy a car, for example. Anybody who had done like an agreement with a dealership last week or two weeks ago, this morning they got a call saying, hey, no, I cannot sell you the car because like prices, there's dollarization, right? Prices are dollarized. And, I don't know how much to charge you for the car because today it went from 48 at midnight to 58, then 60, then back to 57 and a half. And we don't know what tomorrow is going to be like. Um, so that's like one of the first things that happened. There's a lot of services or uh, things that you want to buy that people just do not want to sell. So they don't know how much to charge for it. And that's going to be probably all of this week. So you mentioned it's going to be hard. Uh, is that because yeah. prices just went up by 30%? Did just, just the cost of things just go up by like 30% across the board? Is that how this works? 
They do, and they often go up even more. Um, somebody said that like for every 10% that uh, the peso loses to the dollar, uh, prices go up 15 to 20%. So we are going to see that translate directly to um, to your pocket right um, we're gonna see food become more expensive uh, we're gonna see services uh, become more expensive uh, a lot of stuff that depends on imports uh, are gonna get way more expensive and probably shortage of uh, maybe some of the essential items or them becoming very expensive I it's not uh, as bad as maybe some other places uh, like, like Venezuela, for example, which is like the extreme of this. But I would say that Argentina is a perfect example of a country that almost works and then almost doesn't uh, within this, uh, these parameters. Can you kind of go back a little bit more into what the backdrop and like what the experiences in Argentina around this kind of groundbreaking um, result. Uh, I just kind of want to better understand, like, is this just another country that's going into populism and part of the trend? Or is this something that's more unique to Argentina? Um, no, I would say it's part of a trend. And I want to be uh, very careful here as well, because I voted for the losing side. <laughs> so for the government that that's currently uh, here for at least the next uh, three months. And obviously the, the vast majority of Argentinians do not agree with me or with the government on, on how things should be, right? So um, I wanna be careful there. But, um, but yeah, we had from around 2003 to 2015, we had uh, three periods of uh, populist government. Well, uh, yeah, for uh, we had two or three populist uh, presidents. So and, four years, pretty much. Um, no, uh, in this case, it was like twelve years of uh, straight up uh, populism across. It was first uh, Nestor Kirchner and then uh, his wife, two terms, and now she's coming back as uh, vice president, even though she has like thirteen ongoing trials. But um, yeah, there was populism for 12 years, then we had four years of uh, what we have right now, which is open markets and, and free trade agreements, uh, maybe not done correctly. Like they could, they could have done a lot better, right? Because um, people are still not content with the financial situation. And so populism, it won again. Um, just like uh, it happened in Mexico, just like, um, well, it's happening in places around Europe, although I don't want to count them because their idea of, uh, of socialism is, is different from the socialism we have in, in Latin America. Um, but yeah, I would say it's cyclical. And the markets were expecting that they would probably lose, but like I said, not uh, like so, devastatingly so it it was actually incredible uh, nobody expected that and and yeah so now we're gonna have probably um some of the stuff that i mentioned on on the last uh, the last time i was here so 
return to capital control, um, not being able to buy US dollars at a bank, uh, isolationism, maybe even canceling trade agreements. Um, Argentina was part of, is part of the Mercosur. And we recently signed a free trade agreement with the, the European Union, which was like in draft form for 15 years. Uh, tariffs, defaulting, maybe even that would be, well, we've done it before. So uh, there's no reason not to think that we could do it again. So we owe the IMF a lot of money. How did the Argentinian people kind of cope with this pending reality? Everybody that can save in dollars saves in dollars. That's that's just ingrained into our psyche. It's a, a grandparents' gift, uh, their grandchildren, five, ten bucks if they can. Um, you just know that you have to save in dollars. Um, if every month, whoever can, uh, if they have money left from their salary, they buy dollars. They keep them under the mattress. Oh, and one interesting thing. So they, they buy dollars on the black market? Yeah. Uh, they can, for the last four years with this government, you could, uh, you could buy them uh, at a bank, uh, no problem. Uh, but a lot of people do not have, uh, some people do not even have bank accounts, so they have to buy them uh, on the black market. And today, most of the black market in, uh, in Buenos Aires, in, uh, in the city, it was closed. Like, um, there's this street called uh, Florida, Florida, where a lot of people, we call them uh, trees, arbolitos, just because they, uh, uh, they give out dollars. I don't know. Money trees. Of, yeah. And you walk around and you see them on every corner saying dollars, 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 buy, sell, buy, sell. Today was nearly empty because not even them knew what, what to charge. Uh, some people were, were charging 58, some said 62, 63, 57. So they just went home and it's like, no, fuck it. We'll do it another day. So not even, even the black market was closed. So what about this government caused the market to react this way? Like what, what drove, is it because this government is a populist government, which means that, you know, they want people to keep their value in pesos? Like what, what does the market fear is going to happen? Yeah, uh, that's, that's my interpretation and several others that the government that's, that's going to come in, in four months is a populist government with, um, they've been running their elections saying, different things but some of the things they've said is like we're going to default uh on the on all of our loans or we're going to try to uh renegotiate them uh which is stuff that they've done before and that of course uh it uh angers and frightens investors and they just they try to grab their money and run and it's not just outside investors but uh regular people here as well that say hey Things are going to shit again. Let me try to buy some dollars, and and that creates a, a vicious circle. Is it the the fear of the market that this government might use the money printing press to get their way out of out of debt? Uh, yeah, yeah, perhaps. Um, almost every single uh, government has has done that. Like inflation this year it was going to be around forty five percent. After what I've seen today, is probably going to be closer to sixty. 
and and populist governments they they do the same they just they print money they artificially price the dollar at whatever they want and then you start having two different uh, uh, two different rates for like the official that you can never get and then the black market one which is insanely more expensive and so i don't think i'm overreacting here um just because the the numbers that we're being thrown around today, the amount of uh, devaluation, everything, uh, plus what I've seen from the past few years, they they point to like really dark times coming. Do you I see this wrong. happening? Do, do you see this happening to more countries that, you know, I guess there's every country essentially has its own fiat right now. We could probably assume that the majority of them don't have much to them. Do you see this as like, you know, kind of being a precursor of what is yet to happen to, you know, all the minor fiat currencies? Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not an economist. Uh, you know, I was talking to my friends in Mexico. I, uh, I grew up there. Uh, and we were remembering, like in March 2018, both the Argentine peso and the Mexican peso were 20 pesos to the dollar. And like a year and a half later, the, the Argentine peso is at 60 and the Mexican pesos pretty much remain around the same, like 1950. Could be that uh, they're so close to the US, the, yeah, they're such a great trading partner that um, they just don't feel like recessions as we do, even though they, they just elected a, a really, really populist uh, government last year. So, uh, I don't know, man. I have this theory that, so are you guys familiar with the Cantillion effect? Nope. So it's this idea of whoever is closest to the money printing gets a benefit, right? So a lot of the times the way that Bitcoiners and gold bugs talk about this is the government obviously benefits from that and all the government contractors because they get the money first, they spend it, and then prices adjust as that money gets circulated through the economy. But with the dollar as the world reserve currency, I would go as far as saying that Americans get the Cantillion effect to benefit over international people. And then even geographically closer countries also get the Cantillion effect over uh, the rest of the world. And it's pretty obvious Canada and Mexico are, you know, doing much better than, you know, similar counterpart countries, I guess, um, you know, and you kind of just showed that, you know, some, a country as far away and probably does less business as Argentina, you know, feels being further away from the dollar than Mexico, which is right there, um, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, no, that is interesting. And, but the weird thing is um, the average uh, Mexican does not think in US dollars all that much, even though they're right next to it. And, we in Argentina, we're so far away and we price our cars in dollars, our properties in dollars, and we save in dollars. It's, uh, I don't know, <laughs> it's weird. So wh where's Bitcoin and DAI fitting into the national conversation right now? Um, I'm gonna, I don't know about national conversation. Today, I haven't seen a lot of, um, Bitcoin in the news. I can tell you from my small corner of like Telegram groups and, and such, 
a lot of people who invest uh, in crypto, they're, I mean, nobody's happy uh, for this situation, but they're at least uh, protected somewhat, right? Um, there's people that say, hey, I, um, I have one Bitcoin, right? Or I have some amount of Bitcoin and um, I, I price it in dollars and now there's 25% evaluation, I can buy 25% more, which of course it's not uh, exactly what's gonna happen because um, of course uh, prices rise. Um, but yeah, at least they, um, they're a lot more pro protected than, than people who just, uh, who just had pesos in the bank or in their, or in their wallet. Um, me personally, this kind of days, it's uh, like bittersweet, right? It's, it's sweet because I get paid in a, in a currency that's, uh, that's pegged to the dollar. And uh, it's bitter because I feel like I'm not doing enough to increase adoption. I've talked to family members and they, uh, some of them have uh, bought some amount of crypto, but I don't know, it's not, it's not enough. And then in, in situations like this, people don't even have money to, to say, I'm, I'm going to put away some amount each month. It's like, no, everything goes to just surviving. Um, so for the few of us lucky um, to get paid in DAI or ETH or, or Bitcoin or, or any crypto, we don't feel it all that much. So what is the big bottleneck that is preventing everyone from saying, uh, well, clearly Bitcoin or DAI is the answer Answer here. Like, why aren't people saying that in Argentina? Is it a lack of education? Is it a lack of on-ramps? Like, what, what's the barrier for from Argentina just collectively becoming woke to the answer of cryptocurrency? I would say education is number one, just a, as probably almost everywhere else, because we do now have uh, uh, on and off-ramps that work fairly well, even if some... Uh, may be on the high side uh, when it comes to fees. They're a little bit uh, steeper than maybe in the U.S. from what I've seen. Um, but I'd say mainly it's, uh, it's education. And nobody expects uh, everybody to go to the market and buy stuff with crypto. Uh, most people would do what I do, which is just trade once a month uh, at the beginning of the month and then have just enough to, to pay your expenses and your rent and uh, try to stay in, in pesos as close to zero uh, as you possibly can. So, so with, with on-ramps, are those KYC on-ramps or how does KYC work in Argentina? And is that a concern? And yeah, there's, there's two or three big um, um, exchanges and like OTC desks that require KYC. Uh, so that's one maybe limiting factor uh, for some people uh, to want to um, actually create an account and, and start trading or, or buying or selling. Uh, but the process is not it's not difficult and and it's actually very very simple. Um, for the people that really do not want to be KYC, uh, we do have local bitcoins and local Ethereum. They work very, very well from what I've heard. I've only uh, used local Ethereum once and it was a long time ago. Um, I, I usually go through KYC, but that's because 
uh, I try to stay on the on the right side of the law and declare everything and, and pay taxes, uh, which I know doesn't sound so crypto punkish, but it's it's what's gonna happen eventually. No, I've seen I've seen it firsthand. Um, I've walked into a McDonald's and I see a couple of people just chatting, and I know that they're uh, buying, selling crypto there, or or at a Starbucks. Uh, you can just tell now. I don't. Do you ever watch uh, kind of American news or anything like that? American oh, financial uh, news. I watch CNN probably more than I watch local news. But like I always say, uh, whatever happens up there, it uh, ends up impacting us quite a lot. So yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. So I guess the reason I asked is just because I feel like Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies have kind of been on a nonstop news cycle here. And it seems as though the Bitcoin narrative is something that's like kind of catching on to some degree. So I'm kind of curious uh, if it, it sounds like that narrative is not actually happening in, in Argentina outside of, you know, the existing crypto community. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, we we missed like this cycle of news. I don't know if um, if up there in the states it was probably caused by like the Libra hearings and um, it was so yeah. Um, so here that didn't actually echo so much, um, but I'm expecting I'm expecting possibly in the next couple of months. Uh, Whenever something like this happens, like a big devaluation uh, of this magnitude, there it always like the, the cycle of news starts again, and people keep talking about it. Uh, the last time there was a really big uh, focus on the news on on Bitcoin mostly was the last uh, the last rally to to twenty k, right? Then it died down a little bit. For sure. I mean, that makes sense. Price is always the biggest driver. Um, anything else that you guys want to add on? I mean, this was uh, super informative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mariano, I know you You said you had a, a list of things you wanted to talk about. Did we get through all of them? Um, let me check real quick. Yeah, I think I got most of them. Um, I Somebody tweeted, uh, after I tweeted that, since I get paid in Thai, like this affects me a lot less than so many other millions of people. Somebody said, my wife is Argentinian and she saves in Thai as well. This is uh, coming from somebody from the US. And somebody answered, so she only loses at least 4% annually, plus the risk of Thai, plus the risk of USA default, plus dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> Yes, only and after everything I said. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, it's like all all of that versus the thirty percent that was lost yesterday. Yeah, it's a it's a no brainer, at least mm-hmm. uh, from my perspective. It seems like an either you know any of the blue chip cryptocurrencies or stable coins seem like a no brainer mm-hmm. to the Argentinian people um, to a lot of people. I mean, it, it's not that easy, obviously, um, but. At least being inside the bubble, it seems like a no-brainer. I honestly think that every single small-time fiat currency outside of, you know, like the big five are probably going to go down to crypto in the next 10 years. 
like why all of these other countries don't necessarily have the clout or merit or whatever, you know, they can't even maintain 50 year bonds. So, yeah, it could happen. And I think Argentina was one of the first countries that sold a hundred year bonds that are considered like not junk economy, but somewhere close. Uh, I don't know. We sold a hundred year bonds in 2017 and now I think they're trading at 50 cents on the dollars. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so what, one thing you said, Mariano, is is you once a month take your the crypto that you need to use to live your life, and then you swap it out for peso, and then that's how you mitigate your exposure to the peso, right? So you don't have your valued crypto being traded into devaluing peso. Um, and so, what Christian said was, you know, a lot of fiat currencies around the world are just going to collapse or disappear and be traded away in for more more uh you know sound money that you can probably find on the internet Um, but the way you describe it it seems to be that you're using your crypto as a store of value but then still using your local native fiat currency for buying and buying and selling right uh you know like direct cash payments uh so are you optimistic that argentina or your local community might um, actually make a a full transition to a crypto economy? Or do you think it's kind of going to kind of stay the way that you're using it now, which is people store their wealth in crypto, but then they use their local fiat to, you know, buy dinner and, you know, fix their car or whatever. Uh, So you mean as a, as a medium of exchange? Yeah. As it does the medium exchange. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I use it as a store of value, of course, medium of exchange, probably between just like the people I know. Um, it's not uh, it's not accepted enough that, that I could say that even in five, 10 years, uh, it's gonna be that way. And uh, to be fair, at least in the short term, I don't know if if that needs to be the priority, at, at least from my experience. Um, when people were telling like use crypto daily i said like well i use crypto monthly and and that's like a that's like a good first step uh i use it daily but within the ecosystem so when i need to go out into the real world that's when i say uh, i will push back against that and same sounds like the usual too holding crypto is using it daily if you're using the store of value, you're using it. But yeah, there is a nuance here where you're actually making transactions and stuff. Like, yeah, that's a different kind of use. Uh, no, but in that case, yeah, I I use it every day. I uh, I buy more ether. I keep some of it in uh, in either DYDX or Compound. I love uh, moving it around uh, whenever it makes sense. Uh, when the rates are more acceptable in one or the other. Um, I could not think of using a more using use case than you literally holding all of your value in this thing Mm -hmm. because your government is failing you and the fiat is failing you. Otherwise you would lose, you'd be at risk of losing 30% of your value in a day. Like that is using, like I can't think of a more using use case. Like you're trusting this thing every single second. Like that's so using. So whenever anyone says that holding is not using, they're 
completely misguided. Mm-hmm. I would like to say something mm-hmm. more harsh, but they're just completely off. <laughs> I I get where you're coming from, and yeah, no. If if we start talking about this, then then we are gonna get into the into a bigger debate. And <laughs> I think that's... we're agreeing pretty hardcore. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Mariano, thank you for coming back on to the podcast. Do you have any requests of our listeners or any closing statements? Um, I'm going to expand on all of this at DEFCON 5 in Osaka. So uh, mm-hmm. my talk was accepted and it's going to be mostly about this. I, how I survived the Argentinian economy using decentralized finance. So if anybody's around in October, I would love to, uh, for them to come to my talk. Awesome. I'm definitely looking forward to that. That's going to be a great one. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter, Mariano? Uh, you just uh, look for, search for my name, uh, Mariano Conti. My hashtag is uh, Nanexcool, my username. And yeah, I tweet about mostly die and uh, working at Maker. And, maybe a little bit of uh, thought leadership but just a little bit enough to matter thank you again for coming back on to pov crypto the other podcast that we did with mariano was also about die and DeFi. so if you guys don't want this podcast to end uh you can go and listen to to that episode to get your fix on yeah absolutely thanks for coming on the show again uh and thanks for you know again staying up late to make this emergency and timely episode with us we're gonna get it out asap uh, shout out to David as well, who's also going to be speaking at an ETH event first time. So uh, I'm amongst, uh, you know, some some well thought of uh, thought leaders over here. Uh, but you can find me at CK underscore snarks on Twitter. You can find the podcast at POV Crypto Pod. David. You can find me at Trustless State both on Twitter and on Medium and at Tel Aviv on September 15th, where I'll be talking about Ether as a store of value money asset for Ethereal. Uh, I'm I'm actually really, really excited. Uh, I'm pretty honored to have given the opportunity to speak about it. So where Mariano's talking about DAI as a store of value, I'm talking about ETH as a store of value. So we get both sides of the same coin here. Um, maybe I'll be able to put that audio on POV crypto. We'll see. Yeah. And in reality, Bitcoin is the best store of value. Thanks for tuning in, guys. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Way to hijack that. <laughs> Not going to say anything, but uh, thank you for having me again. This was really, really fun. You're a great guest. Bye, Mariano. Will you just see?